for vanity purposes, I want to have all matching microphones. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, I'll, I, I'll invest in a mic for myself. You well, don't have to buy it. Well, well maybe well, I'll buy a mic. Yeah. If we're going to do this, I'll invest in a mic. That's not a. That might not be a bad thing. No, I'm not. These gonna... aren't as expensive as they were when I first bought them. It's okay. an EV. I don't know what it is. Well, but this, it's a this nice... one doesn't sound terrible at all, though. Mm -mm. But we're definitely so. Gonna... Those are the microphones that you recommended to me. Um, that are like the Sure, but they're the they're the Sennheiser. Yes, Sennheiser makes a fantastic. What microphone. is it? A fifty. That would be my second choice in microphone brands if I had to switch from my. Uh, but from a karaoke standpoint, the SM fifty eight is is the because you can drop it off a ten foot onto a ten foot from ten feet. You could drop it into mm -hmm. the ground and it's going to still work. Mm -hmm. And, and that, I've seen your microphone. And that's why. And that's the other thing. I don't do wireless mics people ask me all the time ed why don't you have wireless mics like all the other karaoke shows and i go do you ever go to walmart and you've got this lady she's walking down the aisle with her cart and you see a leash and all of a sudden you look at the end of that leash and there's a child attached to it <laughs> Well, think of it from that point of view. <laughs> that when you're at my show, yeah. you're on a leash. Yeah. I don't want you going anywhere. And then, of course, there's the drunk drop issue. Mm -hmm. They drop a wireless mic. It's going to break a lot quicker than an SM58 is. You're, uh, the screens on your microphones look like they've been battered. And they have. Yeah, they have. And they get changed frequently, and they get washed, and they get dipped in peroxide, and they get all kinds of things <laughs> done to them because God knows what's coming out of the spittle that people are putting into my microphones on a six-night-a-week basis. How, <sighs> how many years now? 33. 33. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get more into this in just a moment. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the butter spread. Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the butter spread. To get your butter spread all on me. I don't like the way it mixes with my mac and cheese. The Penn Ohio Backyard Bungalow Radio Show brought to you by G&J Fencing. So I already came up with a little intro. Nice. And we're not locked into anything no. with this whatsoever. I know. You like the music? I love the music. I think it fits you and me. I'm loving it. All right. So I've already changed the name of the show. I know you have. I'm calling it the Backyard Bungalow Radio Show on that. And um, this is the artwork that I played with this morning. So I'm thinking it should be the Penn, Ohio Go-Go Bungalow Radio Show. Ooh. Because I kind of call this place the Go-Go Bungalow. I, and then that's what it should be called, because that's where we're at. Well, you're allowed to be, you know, creatively. I welcome your creative input on this. No, no, unless there's some. The only thing I, 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 I just put dirty. I, I go blue, so we can't be blue. <laughs> to a point. I mean, once we're talking, we can blue it up a little bit. But I don't think the title should be blue. No, and I think Go Go Bungalow. I mean, that's just kind of catchy. It's catchy. I can see the T-shirt. I can, and uh, 
and I and I look good in a miniskirt. You do. I've, I've always been told I have nice legs. You do. I've golfed with you. I know that. And you were a go- uh, short golfer. You wore shorts. I will. I, I'm wearing shorts today. I, I will wear shorts until. Oh man, I don't know what the temperature has to go down to to get me out of shorts, but I just like the uh, the breeze on on my hairy legs. I just I can feel the hair follicles just uh, moving as the air. <laughs> passes by them and gives me i might have to take a layer off here i know <laughs> Holy cow. i know well so um you and i met so this is ed marsco and ed and i met oh, I, I have i have i have a last name yeah i don't remember if it was um 89 or 90 but it was right around there yes absolutely and, and we met through a mutual friend of bob tombo may he rest in peace may he rest in peace god bless and um uh, I, so here's my uh, recollection of the first time we met. For some reason, I'm trying to remember what the reason was we were put together. But I remember I was doing the Jimmy Buffett nights at the boatyard at that time. And there was something coming up. I and think, those were amazing, by the way. I appreciate that. Oh, Thank my you. God. Well, it kind of caught on. And then every bar in Youngstown and in the Penn, Ohio area for a long period of time were doing Jimmy it was Buffett it was ridiculous how it was copycatted. It was fun. Yes, it was. It was it was a good time. Um, May he rest in peace. Yeah, I um, sang one of his songs last night. Uh, um, oh, the name of uh, the owner of the boatyard. Oh dear God, Mickey. Yes, Mickey Julian. There you go. Holy cow, where'd I pull that from? Wow, good good for you because... He was a character. That's an we under, have, understatement. We and, have so many great character Youngstown stories. That, well, that, that'll we, take... Well, that's a whole... That could be a whole other episode. Well, we well, they will be. We, we won't get into and that wh- now. Why are so... All of them are going to end up being drug-related, too, and that's what's some even scarier. Dr- <laughs> drug, mob... Entertainment or, or mob entertainment uh, news yes or any combination or all of the above tom holden sitting at the bar at irish bobs yeah before the 11 o'clock newscast and then after <laughs> anyway but you and i met and if i remember correctly because um the uh ice palace over in youngstown at ysu had been built Yes. They didn't have a public address system yet. Yes. And Bob Tombo was actually doing the sound for the YSU football games. And I think you and I were put together. We were doing one of those games where we did the sound. We came, you know, brought the speakers in, put them down on the field. Mm-hmm. I think. But I think you and I, well, we've done that. I know. And then Bob got hired to actually put in a permanent system when yeah. they put in the new scoreboard. So anyway, it was the first time that we met, and um, he kind of gave me a description of the house and sent me over towards uh, uh, a stamp auditorium. And was it Idaho Street, Illinois? I was I lived on Illinois, Illinois, and in, it was your in, cousin's place, my cousin Louis, the old Wick House, so the log cabin. Well, that's what he told me. He says you won't be able to miss it. It's a log cabin. And I'm driving over there by Stamp Auditorium with all of these homes that were built during the Steel Era. Oh, there's and, some, 
Beautiful home. And the other thing, there there was a, uh, uh, he said, you'll find a log cabin and there's a a black, like a New York style. He goes, I, I, maybe it was English, but it was a, uh, a checkered cab, taxi cab. Oh, that was Louis. Yeah. Yes. In the front. And I drove over there, damned if I didn't find a log cabin with a big black checkered cab parked in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And I walked in the door, and I was so impressed because you were sitting in a foyer off to the right, and you were surrounded by these boxes of record albums, and you were sitting at your desk. And I was impressed because you were wearing a headset and talking on the phone. And I'd never seen anybody from a home office ever do that before. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're, I think you had a stress ball in your hand. Most likely. And you were on the phone, and you were going back and forth between being Ed Marsco and Ted Philophilus. <laughs> Ted Santoulis was my my Greek alter ego because, yeah, I was doing, that's when I was doing booking for the fabulous Grecian Keys. Yeah. Yeah. They were like the Bee Gees of Greece. They were absolutely. Yeah. They they were huge for a while. And actually, there's still, there's still a, uh, one member still carrying on the name. The one brother still has the, kept the name and he's still doing it. Okay. To this day. Wow. I mean, they're not recording like they used to. I mean, they put out like three albums. But I remember at that moment, I liked you. I I wore a bunch of hats back then. Yeah, you did. Also trying to start that little mail order business, selling musical accessories, which was a miserable <laughs> failure. Um, I think I wasn't as committed to it as I should have been because I was trying to do the Greek band and then Bobby got me started in karaoke because I had left the flashbacks well, at that's, that time. That's kind of where this was heading because oh. I was going to say you were also the sound and production guy for the fabulous flashbacks. The fabulous flashbacks. They were, and they, they were, were incredible. They were so good. Yeah. It was, a. Uh, Three years of my life I'll never forget. We were huge back then. It was everywhere we played. It was wall-to-wall people. And the the energy level of just four guys up there playing music from the early 60s to the early 70s and people bouncing dance floors all over town was it, it People that didn't have an opportunity to experience the flashbacks back then. And maybe never even heard of them. They were the members were comprised. Oh, Brian McCall, yeah, and Chester Stout, and Brian Wingrove, and Nick. What was Nick's last name? Nick. But they had all come yeah. out of monster bands. Yeah, the, I can't remember they all the bands, but yeah, but they, yeah, they were fantastic. I mean, every single guy was an incredible instrumentalist they all sang they did four-part harmonies and they you know they they uh other than chester i don't think ever did a lead he he was more of a background vocalist but you know nick gligger was his last name but nick and brian and brian mccall all sang i mean brian carried the weight of the vocals but and he was great because i loved brian because he could change his voice they were doing cover songs, mm-hmm. but he didn't just sing them all straight as Brian McCall. No, they had a he style. He channeled yeah. the the vocal stylings right. of the original artists, whether it was the Beatles, the Kinks, the Stones, 
you know, and you know, or like when Brian Wingrove sang "Dirty Water" by the Standells, and he would do that that real nasally voice that the original song had. It was that that was a great experience. And you for could me. close your eyes at their shows, and yeah. you could very easily recall. Yeah, and then the I original. and then I got even more carried away with it because I would go listen to the original mixes of these songs on headphones, and I'd say, "Hey, the guitar's on the left side, and the keyboard's on the right." So I would mix in stereo, and in certain, I mean, I couldn't do it in all the venues, but a lot of the venues we'd work, I would mix it just like the original, and I'd have little notes, and I mean, eventually I memorized it, but I'd have note cards with okay you got to pan this all right the next song's coming up get ready to do a little pan and and it was i i did that for my own benefit i don't know to this day if any of the audience members ever maybe noticed what i was doing but i was so into mixing that band it was amazing it was a great experience and then it all fell apart and one day I was fired because I expressed some opinions about some <laughs> things that were going on in the band that were probably in uh, obviously none of my business being just the sound engineer, production manager, even though I felt what was going on was affecting the quality performances of our group. And I felt at that time after being with them for over two years that I was a part of the group. I found out you crossed on, the line. I crossed a line, mm -hmm. and then one day I walked into the park in to uh, do loadout, and they had already loaded everything out and all my personal equipment that I was using with the band processing and whatnot um, was sitting in a little pile on the dance floor at the park in, just this little lonely pile of about ten thousand dollars worth of audio equipment. That's a that kick they, in the balls. It was a major kick in the balls. Yeah. And I licked my wounds and pouted for a little while, and then Bobby Tombo called me. Ta-da. You got to come over to my house. What's up, Bob? I bought this thing. You got to come see it. I go, what is it? He goes, just come over to the house. I remember, like it was yesterday, walking into down his driveway and you know how he had everything set up in mm -hmm. his garage mm -hmm. he had that workbench and i walk in and he's got a television monitor and he i see something i see like a video and he's sitting there and he's playing a song but there's no vocals it's just a background track and i walk in and i'm looking and i go what is this he goes this is the next thing mm -hmm. karaoke what is that and he told me, and then we messed around with it. Back, you know, when we started, it was mm -hmm. laser discs, right? Which I didn't even know what a laser disc was at that point. And the video comes up, and you know, the words appear. There's background vocals, but no lead. You sing into a mic along with this track, and next thing you know, you're. I was I was literally transformed. It. It was like, how do I describe it? I don't want to sound like like heaven, the angels singing, but it was something you knew you could do. Something the, I with. said, "This is me. This is what I. This is everything." I and then as Bobby and I talked and how this is going to work, and you and Super Dave, 
when you were he hired you guys to run the first systems, right? Well, so I was working with Bob um, kind of as a marketing person for him. He really didn't have anybody. And at that time, he had multiple, I forget how many, but he had multiple DJ systems and uh, was providing a really nice, I mean, for clubs and, uh, you know, pubs, bars, weddings, bar mitzvahs, all that stuff. He and, was and, huge at that yeah, time. Yeah, and I had a lot of experience. And so how we met, we met through Mickey. I walked into the boatyard and said, listen, I have this idea for Jimmy Buffett nights. And he called Bob Tombo and Bob Tombo came up. That's how we met. And so about a year or so down the line, um, I'm working for a little radio station in Western PA. And um, I'm also working with Bob Tombo. And then he called me one afternoon. He says, I, you know, come on over. And he throws me a brochure for this Pioneer karaoke system. And he goes, this is the same thing. He goes, this is the next big thing. He goes, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, where can we go see it? And he goes, you can't. And he goes, this is ground floor. He goes, it's just being introduced into the country. He goes, we're a pioneer rep, so I happened to get this stuff. And I called them, and they're really interested in us doing it. Well, at that time, there was a company in L.A., and there was one in New York or New Jersey <clears throat> that was doing karaoke. And so um, Bob talked me and dave super dave into um taking a ride out to atlantic city and we went out there and saw this old guy standing next to this box it kind of looked like a jukebox and he was kind of trying to encourage people to come up and sing and nobody was and everybody was ignoring him but we had a few drinks and got up and then kind of took over the night well dave and i just had kind of that natural shtick to each other and so we oh, kind you, of, you guys really did it we, was it was great chemistry we ended up just out of the gate sitting in a club in some in some casino i don't even remember the casino but we entertained there for a couple of hours and had a ball and then that convinced bob i mean i think it was a week or so later he actually had the system and we the first night we did it was at the boatyard and i know that he was already talking to you i don't know if you remember coming to see us at the, if you were there that night but, I mean, we were literally setting this stuff up on a table and kind of trying to feel. And then back in those days when you started doing karaoke, especially at the very, very beginning, you had to be able to entertain a crowd. If you're booked for four hours, oh, you had to entertain a crowd for two hours before you would get anybody with enough nerve right. to yeah. get up and actually do a song. Oh, it didn't take off immediately. No, it was hard. And people were. But everybody started. Well, you got to see this. These idiots, you know. Right. But that's also how Dave and I ended up with our first morning show. Uh, radio people came out, saw us, and then we ended up at 95K Rock. Yep. But uh, in the meantime, you were number two. You were number two on deck, and you went with it with a vengeance. Oh, my God. Yeah, That well, I got You guys kicked it off, and then... I, I don't remember what your schedule was like, but when, that, when it started peaking, we were doing... Um, nine shows a week four hour shows yeah i and yeah, I, you guys did some like even like we were happy doing, hour do, stuff do you remember we were doing um oh what was it called the the uh it used to be joshua's it was the, the gay theatrical the theatrical no it was, it was called, something right? phoebe fitz or the, the, it was uh on market street yeah yeah, it was across. There, there was, was in the, it was a small place, a, a caddy corner, kind of from the uptown. This was a double decker. It had an upstairs, a downstairs. Oh, dance that place, floor. the house. 
It was it, like almost it, like a house. You went down a hill. To, it was across the street from Chester's, directly across the street. Yeah, yeah. right. I know and exactly. Ron, I remember Ron was the manager. But mm-hmm. we used to go over there. I and, That's where I saw you guys for the first time. Yeah, we did the happy hour there mm-hmm. from 5 I, until 9. Yep. And then would tear down, literally go across the street to Chester's and then perform from 10 until 2. Mm-hmm. But um, that that place, I don't remember the name of it. Doggone it. It was, it was called the Theatrical. And then it Not was called. When we the, were there. No, was it called Joshua's then? No, it was after Joshua's. It was a place in between. Hmm. And it was like the place in Youngstown because everybody, that was the happy hour place. Oh, yeah. And all the media, everybody yep. would come and oh, yeah. hang. It was a. Yes, it was. It was fun. I remember. That was the first time I saw you guys. The, I mean, Bobby obviously showed me the stuff in his garage, right. but to actually see it out in the public mm-hmm. and see, and then watching you guys work together. And then, you know, then you guys got Irish Bobs and. Then it just went, and then we I, weren't at Irish Bob's long though, because no. that became your your thing. Well, no, that's because that's when you guys broke up. Well, and then Mark the Eskimo took it over for a short time. It wasn't that we broke up. I think it was the radio. The radio just—it's because by that time, I think, yeah. Oh, okay. Because we went from ninety-five K Rock and then ended up at afternoons on CD one hundred six. Oh, okay, and maybe that's what did it. Then. And it started, yeah, it shrunk our schedule. Yeah. Yeah, and then once I got Irish Bob's, then everything went crazy. At my and then next thing you know, ninety one. I'm working seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. Tuesday at the Bombay Bicycle Club, Wednesday at Sir Bentley's, Thursday at the Quaker Steak and Lube and Sharon. Fridays, I don't know where I was on Fridays back then. The Saturdays, then I got. Chester's at that. Then I, mm-hmm. I it was it. Then I kind of took over Chester's, and then it became and the Sundays pan, at Tin Pan Alley. It became the big college bar up there too. Chester's, remember, it mm-hmm. became multiple rooms, mm-hmm. and it was um, right. What did they call that? Uh, woodpeckers. Yes, because we did with the radio station. We did Pecker Palooza. We were booking bands in there at those times. It's there, there was so much happening back then. Market Street, South Avenue. The 70s, I knew a little bit about the way the club thing worked and and how many stages were in this area. But really, when I came in, it was the early 80s that I left. And when I got back in the late 80s and 90s, that had to be about the peak of how many entertainment stages and at all levels of entertainment that could be seen, Uh, especially in just in Youngstown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know Western Pennsylvania here. We had stages everywhere. They're now all gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But in Youngstown, I mean, you already brought up um, the Park Inn. The Park Inn. And then which what was, was the place right next door uh, to the Park Inn? That little rock club. I remember one being there, but I don't remember yeah. it. Yeah, that was a that was a nice venue, and. And then Market Street, you had the Beachcomber, which I think might have closed a little, like in the early '90s. That was the disco bar, and then you had the the little gay bar across the street that you guys worked at. Mm-hmm. And then there was Chester's and Mickey's. Didn't do a lot Mickey's. of entertainment, but you know, behind Mickey's was a gay bar called the Mix, the Pal Joey's. Yeah, yep. Um, no, there were three. How many years? Yeah, right. There was Pal Joey's too in Austin Town. I did karaoke there for a while, which never really took off. But oh god, everywhere. Yeah, the arcade. 
And then you had the big stages downtown. Uh, the arcade was the 80s. Yeah. It kind of started fizzling I... out in the 90s. And then he ended up closing. And then they tore it down and put a McDonald's there. And then um, the bowling alley um, in Austintown. Yep. The grist mill. That's where and the grist mill was. was. Yeah. And, and then it had there multiple was... names. Also, there was the bowling alley out in Niles that had a rock club in it. And I don't remember. No, the that name was. Of it oh, that was. No, that wasn't. No, that wasn't Niles. It was Warren, top of the strip in Warren. Warren, yes. Yeah, the, and that was. I can't remember what that was called, but that had a club in it. And then it was Foxy's was down the street from that club. There was an Agora for a period of time. And Tin Pan Alley was doing entertainment. Yeah, I mean, it was just oh, that place. <laughs> and we're hitting the, the big ones. The stories I could tell about Tin Pan Alley, but that was. My, yeah. my favorite Tin Pan Alley story was the radio, the people that I was working for, 95K Rock. Dave had already, Dave, well, I didn't split up. Dave got removed from the station the first time. Oops. <laughs> I got teamed up with a guy, uh, Ken Lovejoy, which I hope to have on here someday. Um, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, that's how we, I saw him here a couple of years ago, just uh, right after COVID. Um. But anyway, uh, the radio group we were working with, they actually, so this is 90, 91, um, they booked 38 Special out of Tin Pan Alley. In the back. In the back. They did, and they had the volleyball courts and yep. everything else. It brought in, I think, probably, you that, know, That John. concert was packed. No, it wasn't. Well, was that was no. the, one, the one that didn't work? That, this was the one that didn't work. Okay. They had a few that worked. They sold 35 tickets jeez it was it was it was like but here's the cool thing was it really uh impressed me was the 38 special uh, you know instead of being asshole celebrities um they embraced it like it was a backyard party which it literally was and they were so kind and so gracious to everybody instead of just hanging on the bus and coming out and doing it and walking away they actually came out because the crowd i mean there was nobody there was going to paw them not to mention, too, I mean, you know how that is. You're on the road and whatever. So they were in a controlled environment, and they were just very, very cool. They hung out with everybody. They got kind of got to know everybody. Then they went up on stage and played like they were playing to 10,000 people. Yes. And so that was one of my fondest rock and roll memories of basically having a private concert with 38 Special. They were amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, we did a show there also with uh, Leon Redbone, and that was packed. Where That was inside. Mm -hmm. But, um, eh. I don't know. I'm just kind of drifting off here. I know. Ah, oh, the good old days. So 33 years. So that's one of the reasons. Uh, Ten years ago, I approached you about doing a podcast together, and I thought we should have called it Two Old Guys with Great Hair. Yes. Because that is. We did talk about we that. We do have good hair. I was still working through some stuff back then. That's okay. But uh, I'm in such a better place than to, to be doing this now and to be reminiscing and knowing what this could evolve into as time goes by is exhilarating to me. Good. Good. Well, I have dreamed my entire life about having a room. And I've always said, everybody I've ever talked to, of, of being able to do a small venue and just do some intimate things. I've, I've never been one to want to go after being a big-time concert promoter. Or anything like that. I love doing small things. I've booked some bands and some smaller 
bars. And I used to do a bunch of stuff down here at the Clark House. And probably will continue oh, I remember. to yeah. do some more things here at the Clark House. Um, but um, now, because of these fine folks that I know uh, provided this building and a really nice apartment up front, we have a nice room here with a full stage that would seat comfortably 50 people. Oh, easily. And kind of the idea is, um, instead of it just being some sort of a, I mean, it's a listening room, but why not make it basically a podcast production studio with, sure. a, with a live studio audience? Uh, people can come. And so as we have guests, as we do different things, we can invite our friends and a few people. I mean, we, I want to welcome people to just come and hang out and be a part of this. But then I've also got this idea of um, evolving this into kind of a once a month live stream where we can actually invite people to come in and sit down and make it almost like a live, kind of what we're doing here, conversation with some interesting people. Sure. And, and that the audience could also get involved and ask questions and bring in some different entertainment, um, different people from the area, from the region, even some national touring bands. Uh, that want to come in and just kind of hang out with us and kind of make it like a little social club. That's kind of the idea. And there's so much that can come from that. Mm -hmm. Because. And it's also giving me a tool to, um, I've been helping you with your social media now for some years. Oh, and, yes, you have. And this is Thank a way. God. Well, this is a way I want to kind of make it, take it to a whole different level. And so uh, we can continue because I don't think you're planning on any career moves at, at, at this particular point. Well, um, let me see. I envision you going into the Guinness World Book of Records as the longest consecutive karaoke host in the world, which you've got to be or very close to it. I don't know anyone that has been doing it as long as I have. And chances are, if there is anybody out there that's been doing it longer, um, You'll outlive them. Okay. I, I, I have... Uh, There's got to be. It's 62 years old. I've been, um, my body is not falling apart completely yet, so I can still load in and load out my equipment. But from a personality standpoint, my mind feels like it's in my 20s. And they say that people that have had drug and alcohol issues and that they get sober, they say when you start, <laughs> I'm going to dig up some old AA stuff right now. A person who develops an addiction, substance, alcohol, whatever, when that first kicks into their life where they really get into it heavy and it takes starts to take over their self mm -hmm. they say that that freezes your maturity level at that moment where it, it just like you don't grow because you're so focused on the party the addiction the high that your mind never really gets a chance to mature and experience and this and that. So I get, I sit around guys that are my age that didn't have the issues that I had and, and the life that I went through and they're old and they're a little crotchety and they're a little bitter and they're a little, I feel when I got sober, and then my sobriety really stuck and I started to 
realize how great life can be without all those things I was using that my mind woke up. And mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like a young kid, mm -hmm. brainwave-wise, that's experiencing life like it should be experienced. And I think I'm funnier when I do my karaoke shows. I'm not, I, I mean, I, I think back how I was. I started excited and fun and crazy. Remember I had the wardrobe trunk and sure. I used to and I used to wear a suit jacket during my shows and you know it's like and then as things changed and the burn of seven nights a week for like almost twenty years I worked seven nights a week, at least. And then my commitment to my craft started to Wayne, mm -hmm. and it became more of a job than it was a lifestyle and a f the freedom that it gave me to be who I am. I got lost in the alcohol and the drugs, and it was like, and then when it bottomed out, and God bless that I never got fired from a gig. I mean, all these places that I worked at put up with all my bullshit for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And I think back on how I treated my audience, where I, I might have started off fun and exciting, but as the evening waned, I, I got bitter and mean mm -hmm. and impatient. Sure. And, and I pissed I pissed people off. I mean, there were people that stopped coming to my shows. But but the problem was there were a lot of people who loved that simply yet that mm -hmm. little that because that that, that caught being caustic at karaoke sometimes is great because it's just karaoke mm -hmm. and i could how am i allowed to swear on this podcast i don't mind I, i'm gonna go back you know of course and just kind of review i mean everything. It, i mean i mean if you you do what's comfortable i may i may bleep the f-bombs Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to use my first F-bomb on this podcast No, you've right already now. done it once. I have already? Yeah, yeah you right. kind of came out of the gate with it. <laughs> I have, from the very beginning, even after, before and after, what I, all the shit I've been through, I love to f*** with people. Sure, absolutely. That was my favorite thing about doing radio. I, I completely and totally get it. It's And... and yeah, and that's one of the things I love about a dry sense of humor because you can say things and you say it with a straight face and right. watch them be confused as to whether or not you're being I mean, serious. But that's the thing. People aren't honest. Mm -mm. People hold things back or you yeah. don't want to say the wrong thing. or this. Everyone's so worried about... I mean, this is pre-cancel culture. I mean, just... Oh, yeah. And I have always been no filter. And me too. And you have too. Oh, and that's absolutely. one of the and reasons we have gotten along so good over it, the years because we've never lied to one another. No, and, 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 and I don't way. lie to my audience. Mm -hmm. And if someone comes up on stage and they trash a song, I might say great job at the moment, but I'll also follow with that's five minutes I'm never gonna get back. Right. Or I'll make a little joke or that's how Madonna would sing it if she was on Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> or, and I, or, 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 you know, it's like, this is Garth Brooks after a five-day bender. But that was also fun. That was fun because it was taking um, care. Instead of it being a true blue karaoke with just allowing people to get up and get a little bit buzzed or completely wasted and, and, and relive some sort of fantasy that they'll never achieve, which I get that. 
I that, did, that which I love es- about it. Sure, and that type of escapism. But if you also had a sense of humor, everything that we were doing back in those days, I mean, it was it was definitely like stand-up comedy performance art. Oh, it absolutely. Was definitely living in the moment. Yes. And, and that was half of the payment was um, having fun with a crowd right along with you. It wasn't even so much about, I mean, sure, we like the center of attention. I mean, or we wouldn't be doing it. Oh, my God. But it was experiencing the whole thing. And when you found your audience that would come that were expecting that part of it, then they had a lot of fun too, and it and it it created. Um, I hate to say clicks, but not always everybody is welcome. No, you know, if you come in and if you if if you're going to take this too seriously, and if you, if I, I I I've seen you chase people out of a room, and I certainly have done it Ooh. multiple times. But the rest of the people, if that was at the expense of the entire crowd, then let it be because everybody else was having a great time. Well, that was the thing. Fortunately, nobody shot us. <laughs> I had one guy charge the stage at the Quaker Steak and Lube back in the early '90s when Sh- when Sharon Steele shut down. Oh yeah, remember her? Yeah. The, the, the city of Sharon was uh, devastated. This was yeah. post sheet and tube. This right. was this was the next phase of the steel right crumble crumble. And um, the next I made I was doing my I was on stage. I was talking. I think it was like at the beginning of the show. And I made some kind of comment about come on up and sing and uh, get rid of all that pain of Sharon Steele closing it. And I made some kind of offhanded comment about it. And some guy drunk rushed the stage you don't know, you know, I don't have a job now. And, I, mm-hmm. and the security guys had a guy, I mean, he literally came after me. And that mm-hmm. was the only time that's happened to me in 33 years. Yeah, but you weren't being malicious, and I'm sure it was because he misinterpreted it. it, it, it. Well, that's the thing. You know, and that's that's the problem. That's with, also how we learn. I know that, but that's, well, yeah. <laughs> you I, have to do that. I, I, I have pushed the envelope. <laughs> I pushed the envelope last night at JR's. When I do my show on Tuesdays at JR's in Austin Town, the uh, owner of the bar gives me a list of the following day's entertainment because they do something on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they start with me on Tuesday and they have trivia and then live entertainment Thursday, Friday, Saturday consistently. No cover charge. I, I respect so much how much they support live music in Austin Town mm-hmm. with, with Jeff Richards and what he does at JR's. But they are having male strippers there tonight. The Shades of Hunks, this one's called. <laughs> they had a different one last year with even a funnier name that I can't remember. So he gives me the notes of of the week of entertainment. And on Wednesday, it says, Shades of Hunks, and this is handwritten, women only, 8 to 10, and then in parentheses, underneath that, it says, no dicks exposed. <laughs> so I'm reading that. And I go, okay, so how am I going to translate that to my audience? And I ran with it so hard. I was like. You come you up know, with every euphemism. Oh, in yeah. The world. I said, no Johnsons. No, no. no, no penis, no cock, no prick, no one-eyed wonder, wonder weasel. Yeah. yeah, it's like. And it was, I had a field day with it. And then, of course. It just it was it was an ongoing theme throughout the evening, and it's just those kind of moments 
get handed to you sure. on a plate. Yeah. And it's, people like you and me can run with that. Major night. It does. It's like putting that headset on every night is my ability to take an audience bring them into my world and it's sure we're going to do some karaoke but remember in between songs guess who gets to talk <laughs> now you start off every one of your shows too with a monologue i try to you, well you do I, it i've I, seen you do it I, now it's not like you and i hang out i haven't been to one of your karaoke shows now uh, in years well but um you that's something that you've done for years and we were talking as you were coming in this afternoon that um Oh yeah, that's getting to be more and more fun for you. It is. I I love to. So that's something I would like to explore, and I think that should become what a the thing, a thing of yours. Like when we do our podcast, yeah, there'll be a we'll simply come, ed we'll just moment. Come of, maybe come out of the gate with what is your monologue for the week, and just to set the tone. Oh, I've got like so that. you started a pork roast story that I want to hear. You were saying it with such passion. Was that your monologue from last night? My monologue started with the word, the words crockpot. <laughs> and I just said it. And I hesitated. I didn't say a word for 10 or 15 seconds. And I said it again. And I said it. And I put my mic, my hand over my headset ball. So it gave it a little bit more. And I put some echo on it. I said, crockpot. Crock and people are looking at me because there's nothing going on. There's no music playing. It's just the two words, crockpot, floating in the air. And then I went on about how my wife took a half-pound roast, sprinkled some ranch dressing on it, some au jus powder, and then a, a bottle of pepperoncinis, put a lid on it, sealed it, cranked it down, put it on seven hours, and at 5 o'clock that night, I was eating this amazing meal that felt like I was in a restaurant, and she didn't do shit. Crockpot did it all. The crockpot. Yeah, I mean, she obviously it was her idea to sure. use the crockpot. Absolutely. And you should and thank I her still for get, that. Oh, I did. Absolutely. Up and down. My wife is an amazing cook, even when it's something simple. But I try to inform my audience about things that are going on in the world that are simple like the taint <laughs> taint a subject i thought we were to get into <laughs> I, I i mean if you if we wanted to side if we can go do a sidebar when you take a shower and you rinse off People do not pay enough attention to the taint. I would agree. And if you do not rinse properly. Not that I know firsthand. When you go to dry the taint, many times it is still soapy. Mm -hmm. And there are techniques that you can use in your shower <laughs> to make sure that you properly rinse the taint. Mm -hmm. And I did this one night. At JR's, mm -hmm. and I spent twenty minutes, <laughs> and then there there was some there was some visual because there's, you know, when you're in the shower, if you bend over a certain way to allow the water to run down your back and down your crack, it will, if you get the right angle, will rinse your taint purposely. Purposefully, sure, absolutely. 
I mean, the Romans figured it out with the aqueduct. I think we could do it in the shower. Oh, I think so. So <laughs> absolutely. So these, these are the kind of sick things that go through my head that now at the beginning of my karaoke shows. You just have a public discussion. I have a pub, what, but I, I have the microphone. But it's a public service. And all these people are sitting around wondering, okay, when's he going to start? Some guy one day when I was going on off said, hey, when are they going to start singing? And I looked, I sit over the microphone, I go, when I'm done. And a bunch of people started clapping. And uh, the guy, was he, he heckled me a little bit and we let it go. But, uh, but you got to be careful though, too. I've sometimes got a little political with my monologues mm -hmm. and they've backfired on me. Sure. That, that, that's, yeah. The, especially when Trump was running for his first, when he beat Hillary. Mm-hmm. I was devastated that, and I we're not going to get into that conversation because Hillary dropped the ball, and we're not going to get into it. <laughs> oh, God, I almost did it. Don't, don't get started. I, I wasn't going to let you go don't there. Yeah. No, I'm not going to go. There. I mean, we'll have plenty of. But like I said, someday. you, I'm never going to stop being who I am. Now, yeah. I have found a, a new person in my sobriety that has absolutely no filter. I mean, I had no filter before, but it was a no filter drug and alcohol and fueled no filter that got me in trouble. Had, uh, you know, oh, well, let's go back to the early 90s. Reading time with Simply Ed. Mm -hmm. I used, I to, I used mm -hmm. to get a soft porn, a soft pornish type romance novel. novel i'd get a bar stool and i'd sit down and i'd pick a, a a selection out of the book and i would read it with compassion mm -hmm. and, and passion at sure. the same time and always that chapter that would we would always end in a a, a a beautiful sex scene that was beautifully described in all kinds of different fashions and i had these different books i'd read and i ended up getting in trouble because of that and I was told I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. Did you enjoy doing that? I, oh, it was the best thing well, ever. Why don't we bring that back? I mean, that's another thing that we could do here. We could actually we could make those reels. We could make those short little uh, snippets if you if you're so inclined. And, oh, well. and you know, and I it gives me an opportunity to put my little production skills to work. Okay, well, that's stuff we can discuss. And then that's stuff that you could talk about at your karaoke shows, and you could drive people. And, and why not even play them live at your? Oh, well, 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 I've thought about bringing it back at live I think and doing it again. Ever a time that it needed to be shared, now is the time. I think so. I think people are too uptight. We Everyone put, is so uptight. We've got to find you the right music bed. You okay. know, and it needs to be just like three minutes long. Yeah, that's it. You know, you just come up with a little well, and then get, make sure you plug. The book. Oh, you have to. You and know, the we author. Give credit to the book. Oh, and the author. oh, absolutely. It becomes, I, you know, a simply had thumbs up. Like an Oprah book of the month? Yeah. Oh, God. Like a, yeah, we could make it your thing. You know, whether it could be. There's uh, a lot. There's a lot out there. I might have to get back mm -hmm. into. I'm reading a book called The Plant Paradox right now, which has nothing to do with porn, but we're not going to get into that right we, now. We could give it a. We could give it an acorn rating. It Ooh. could be, you know, one, two, three, four, five acorns. Acorns. Uh, well, that's the white man erection. The yeah, you, they, and then they, they could change colors where the highest one would be purple. 
That's a purple acorn. Purple acorn. Wow. You got the purple acorn. Okay. All right. Okay. That's enough funny. of that. I like it. Where uh, are you doing karaoke these days? Oh, man. Well, I'm back to six nights a week. I've had offers for Mondays, multiple offers, but that's uh, that's mine and the wife's day. It's like I make a little joke that even God rested on the seventh day, and I know I don't play, place myself at that level of but, deity. It, but it's a it's a it's a it's a good example, you know. I mean, that's that's kind of why he said it. I, mean, uh, it, I understand. It, God I, is our mentor. I know, and I I think I am a mentor in some ways. Uh, I am uh, a relationship mentor at my shows. I uh, I'm an observer of the People. human experience. Mm -hmm. I uh, I counsel at my shows, which is um, I counseled last night, as a matter of fact. But that's personal, and I'm not going to go into that. But the fact that I am 33 years into this, and I'm working six nights a week, where Tuesday I'm at JR's in Austintown. Wednesday I'm at Club Switch in downtown Youngstown at the bottom of Belmont Avenue right by the prison. Thursdays, the the old Cracker Jacks reopened about a year ago. Uh, a, a good friend of mine bought it and did some a lot of interior refurbishing and remodeled the kitchen and he's got a great menu and he recarpeted the pool tables and cleaned up the bar. It's just a great, it, it's, it's, it's very nostalgic, especially if you're in my age bracket when we used to hang out there in the eighties and the nineties when it was the original Cracker Jacks and it was there for years. It's back. I'm there on Thursdays from 10 to two and Fridays. I'm still at the ice house in mineral Ridge, which is a, one of my favorite places to work because I love it. It's got a stage. The acoustics are amazing. It sounds fantastic. I just can't seem to get bodies in the room on a Friday night. I will tell you, it's one of my slower nights of the week, and it's very frustrating for me. But there's a lot going on on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Saturdays, uh, I'm currently every other Saturday, I am at uh, that new Double Bogies at the Southern Park Mall that right. just opened up a couple a year or so ago. And I love working there. And Mel Mel McKee, the, uh, one of the owners, is an old friend of mine. He's been a chef in this area for years, and he owns the original Bogies that's up in Camel. That's why it's called Double Bogies because that's his second entity. And, you know, they got the golf simulators, and they got a – multiple bars and and party areas you can reserve that place is an amazing it used to be jillian's remember jillian's oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's what that yeah, is okay okay they basically Boy, converted there's it into some, a golf restaurant there, there's some facility. square footage in that oh place. it's huge you yeah. know i mean i used to do jillian's on friday nights mm -hmm. so it's so weird that i'm back and that under a different name and i'm working right. in that same building it's crazy and uh, then uh, I'm there every other Saturday. And then my opposite Saturdays, if I don't have a wedding, because I still DJ weddings, which I love doing. And if you're listening out there, I am not expensive and I'm really good. I'm going to plug myself for one second. No, please. That's what part of the reason. Well, I don't do the bridal shows anymore. I used to go to the bridal shows and I'd rent a table for a thousand bucks. And I'd stand there in my tuxedo with my arms on my hips like I was uh, uh, Captain Condom. Uh, and uh, oh, that's another story. Go, oh, we can get into that story one day, and um, and uh, try to sell my wares, which is hard to do when when you're trying to sell yourself as a wedding DJ. 
it's hard to do it at a across a table when you only have two or three minutes of talking time. It's like speed dating. Right. It's impossible. Sure. To really, you know, I mean, some people get it. Some people catch that vibe off you and say, sure. I like him. We need to talk to him some more. But and then on Sundays, I'm still at high point. I've been at I've been at high point for eleven years now. I was the first entertainment Tommy Crater ever booked in that place. That was the first entertainment on Sunday night. I've been there every Sunday night since the weekday opened. And I'm proud to say that we still get a nice crowd on Sunday nights. It's a nice laid back. We get a lot of service people that get off early on Sundays because the bars and restaurants close early. And we just have a great time on Sunday nights. And I am absolutely, and I will say this time and time again, I am blessed because those Japanese guys who wanted to sing Elvis songs mm-hmm. and those little little sushi bars and <laughs> they figured out karaoke on an eight-track tape with a microphone plugged into it and they figured out a way to take out the vocals or however they did it back then and what it developed into into karaoke and worked its way into the United States. You know, it's like... I guess it's if anyone had a, I, I just feel it's like it was like my calling. That's what I was sure. thinking of when we were sure. talking. When I saw that, and then I went and saw you and Super Dave do it live, I knew that I could do this, that I wanted to do this, that I needed to do it on multiple levels, not just there was ego. Number one, because ego is my biggest problem, and it always is, and it is a one it's of the number one problems to a recovering alcoholic addict. Okay, ego is one of the biggest number one things you have to learn to mm-hmm. squash. Right, but I've used that. I'm using that ego now in a positive way, not in a negative way. Thank God. And but. I saw an opportunity that people, as I saw, as it caught on, and you see the light mm-hmm. on someone's face when they get to come up and sing, whether I don't care if they're good or bad. When they're up on that stage at Irish Bob's on a Monday night, and there's a room full of people, and they're trying to sing Black Velvet or Friends in Low Places or, or two people are trying to do Love Shack or whatever. The joy mm-hmm. that karaoke brings, it I think it's the absolute perfect form of entertainment because you get in the bar for free. There's no cover charge. You get to perform. Or there's people that come to karaoke and don't perform that just love to watch it. And I, I know those people. There are people that come to my shows that never sing, but they love the experience because they, they think I'm kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Or they think I'm kind of a dick. Or you've gotten to be like I am now. I just like to go and watch other people have a good time. Oh, but but that's what I'm doing too. right. Because I get to talk in between each singer. But when the people are singing, I'm either watching that singer and seeing the joy, how much fun they're having, or I'm watching the audience. And some people are paying attention. Maybe some are not. But they came to that bar because there was karaoke that night. and They knew there were people there. were. Everyone has fun. It's it's always fun. Mm-hmm. It is never, and I mean never not fun, even on a slow night. I never not have fun at karaoke because there's it's just it's it is what it is. It 
it's it's its own it's got its own notch in the in the zeitgeist the what, what's that word the zeitgeist the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of entertainment that has been from guys banging on drums all the way to opera it's found its niche karaoke as a um oh what's the way i want to put this uh, you know let me give you an example i go back and i watch um what uh, people, how people used to behave on programs like, uh, remember Alan Fund and um, Candid Camera? Sure. And so it would be lay people on the street or whatever, and it was the old black, especially the old black and white ones, or even the old talk shows or What's My Line yeah. and those kind of things where they brought civilians in front of a camera. And they were just so uncomfortable and so shy and didn't want, you know. Karaoke came along way before social media, and it really allowed people to um, begin to explore avenues of their own personalities. I, I think it's done more than any high school public speaking. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, there's done. no doubt about it. Because by this time, you're somewhat of an adult, you know. And believe me, the thing is that I was so impressed about karaoke. The people that just got drunk and got up on stage to sing, they stood out like sore thumbs. The vast majority of crowds that come, and I'm sure that still come, sure they have a couple of pops or they'll have a cocktail, but they're there to actually contribute to something to the evening. Oh, absolutely. They're not. It's not the falling down drunks that get up and um, really make an impact. No. And that's that's the cool thing about karaoke. It allowed people. To, it it welcomed people onto a stage. Sure. And it was after that. I mean, then shows like. American Idol, all of that stuff started to because of karaoke. Well, it was, I really it was, think it, it, was. it I, was. I think karaoke kicked off a lot of that it stuff. Really made humanity be less inhibited. Is I mean, a great big chunk of of humanity. It it opened up the stage to everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And it's, and and it, so I uh, there are people that have started coming to my shows in the early nineties that have went on when they realized they could sing or they they got that performance bug they went on to become lead singers in bands um jeff myers the bass player in 80s proof used Mm -hmm. to come to my shows back in the 90s with his buddies and they used to come up and sing and jeff was found out he was actually a pretty good singer and jeff went on to learn how to play an instrument and now he has a band but he started at karaoke that's cool and there are there are a, a number of cases and people that realize they could sing and I know people that have gone that are have been at my shows that were became very good singers and have went on to try to try out for American Idol or uh, The Voice. They they didn't get on it. Mm-hmm. I would love if one of my really good singers got onto TV and know that them coming to my show and, and me allowing to give them that that platform that gave them the bug to improve their vocals. Mm-hmm. I've had people that have come to my shows that got so into it that they went and took vocal lessons so they could sing better. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the Randys. <laughs> Which Randy is this? Do you remember... In the early 90s, I got the idea to record my mm-hmm. singers. Yes. 
I was going to say because I know that you even professionally did a couple of demos for people. Yes, but I, I have. remember we were we all had talked about it. I never got into doing the like five dollar cassette. Yes, I it was like I bought those little. They were five five they, minute. They were five minute cassette tapes, mm-hmm. or actually they were ten. I take that back. So you could put up to four songs on a cassette if you wanted to, and I charged a dollar per song. I'd record it, gave you the tape. If you just recorded one song, if you wanted to record your second song, you could bring it back. I'll put it on the same tape. It's still a dollar, and those tapes cost me like five cents a piece, and it was actually a little bit of a money maker for me. But Here's the thing, and this is why I love karaoke so much. There are people out there that get up there, and they are so into it, and they're terrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's okay. But they're having such a they're good time. They're having such a good time. And my, there was this guy. His name was Randy. <clears throat> he used to come to Tin Pan and to Sir Bentley's and these places, and he was a little strange. Great guy. I never became friends with him, but he was never rude. He put in his slip. He'd wait his turn. He'd get up on stage and he'd get that microphone in his hand and he would start gyrating and he would sing. And he always picked great songs. One of his favorite ones was Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. And he could not sing a lick. But here's what happened. When I started recording, Randy used to he was so into karaoke and he used to always come to my shows and always pick great songs and trash every single one of them and everyone loved it when randy came up on stage people used to cheer because they knew it was going to be a good song and people were going to get into it because they were loving the fact that he was beating the shit out of a classic song. song but he was on time he was flat he was sharp he was he didn't have any kind of vibrato. It was just, it was almost like a, a scream. Right. One day, Randy came to my show and he presented me with a TDK 90 minute cassette tape. <laughs> and he goes, um, Can I use my own tape? I said, Absolutely, Randy. And I would record Randy. And Randy would keep that tape and he'd have it queued up. And he would, every night he'd come to my shows, he'd, fill that tape up with songs that he would sing i love it where's that tape now oh god it would be worth a million oh i know i'd love that but what i used to always wonder when a person that's like randy who is having the best time of his life doesn't realize he can't sing but he in his mind he is Tom Jones. He is Frank Sinatra. Oh, I never want that bubble to pop. He is Steve Perry. Right. And he records himself, and he takes it home, and he puts it in his cassette player in his stereo and listens to himself saying the joy that he's probably feeling back at himself. Yeah. He doesn't hear that he's bad. Yeah. And I never once ever said over a microphone, you suck. I've never told anybody that in all the years Mm -hmm. because I appreciate the fact that if you have the balls to come up on stage at one of my shows and try to sing a song in front of a room full of people, most of them you do not know, it takes balls to do that. Sure it does. But then the people that do it and they get that light in their eye the Mm -hmm. first time they do it, 
you see that light click and they come back and they sing. Some people only sing the same five songs. You never hear them just, you know, deviate. Then there's other people that take the challenge. I want to sing as many different songs as I can. Every night I'm going to try something new. I got a guy that comes to my shows that keeps a book of every song he's ever sang. He's got it. <laughs> I'm not joking. He walks in like with his little folder. Like he's stamp collecting. I'm telling you. <clears throat> well, you know, it was kind of like the introduction. It brought the same kind of um, camaraderie and community joy to America that the Irish have been experiencing in their little uh, pubs for oh, absolutely. generations, millennium. You know, that's that's how I always kind of looked at it. It was always so much fun. Well, music is, people don't understand how important music is to life. Yeah. And karaoke has added to that experience. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching off the mountain, but I've witnessed it mm -hmm. for the last 33 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten... Music heals. There's no doubt about it. Well, it, it doesn't just heal. It, yeah, I guess heal is the right word. I mean, if you have a shitty day mm -hmm. and you come to one of my shows and you get up on stage and plow through a Stone Temple Pilots song that you just, because you love Stone Temple Pilots, and you go, you know, I'm going to, and I had a crappy day, so I'm going to Ed's show, and I can't wait to fill out that slip and put that song in and get my turn mm -hmm. and just go, <sighs> mm -hmm. let it all go. It's great therapy. It's, it, it really is. Oh, it's the same thing with me doing the music podcast here because, first of all, I've done this all my life. I I'm love your podcast, by the way. Thank you. It's just more um, people should listen to it if you're listening to uh, this podcast. They will. They will. They'll find it and they'll listen to it. And um, it's it's the whole. It's so therapeutic and it's so healing for me. I can be in the worst mood in the morning and force myself to come in here and then just sit down and start working on some tunes and throwing some music together. It goes back to sitting in high school with all of my friends and people would get their new albums and we'd get together like on a Friday night oh. and we would all have our albums and we would start listening to them or you put them one on top of the other. Oh my God. And then yeah. it became mixtapes and it putting stuff together. So much fun. And here I am 61 years old and still doing the same damn thing and, and hanging out with people that enjoy the same thing. You're, you're the same. It goes back to you talking about how you used to mix a band. Oh God, um, I love, that's my, I, I mean, that's love. my that is my first love. And it always will be running well, sound for bands. And is, you and I listen to music the same way. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, you know, it's all about breaking it down. You know, it, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing the instruments, knowing the cues, knowing the. Oh. And it's. Yeah. Or hear, hearing how, how songs are listening to the production. It's not mm -hmm. just the song. It's the production. And when you get to the point that you understand the way rooms sound different. Oh, God. You know. And, and and you can even I start to identify music by the recording studios that they were, or at least they, without a doubt the producer. <clears throat> well, that's like it's like you too. I remember trying to think here. Hold on a second. Now remember, this is before social media, right? You hear about it; it's coming out. You already loved you too. But the Joshua tree, I remember putting it on my turntable and putting on the needle on that first track and how it 
built up into that song and I was really big into headphones back then. I didn't just blast it through my speakers in my little log cabin I lived in. I used to sit in that big Papasan chair that I had, if you remember that <laughs> yeah, Papasan chair I used yeah, to have. Yeah. And I put my 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 had very expensive headphones and I put them on and just that song just it starts really light and then it comes 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 and then it smacks you in the face that kind of that that's what i just love music well and you too is one of those bands i know in my life that the first time i heard that album i knew music changed oh you know elvis costello did that for me in the 70s um you too probably in the 80s and nirvana in the 90s those are probably the three that at the top of my mind that just pop and i knew that all of a sudden when you heard that everything was changing that's what happened to me with boston oh big one yeah when that album came out that production that album oh god tom schultz oh he's a genius just yeah well, I, people don't realize that those albums, those were produced in garages. Yeah, basements, he did it in his attics. house. He yeah, did, it's like MIT he, graduate. He did it all himself, and then they brought it. He added the got what's the I can't remember lead singer's Brand name. Delp. Yeah, he brings Brand and he does the vocal. And but he but Tom played everything on mm -hmm. the original album. Yeah, even drum tracks. Yes. Yeah. Insane. But that that album really changed. I remember that one hit me hard. Another album that was a garage album that literally went right from, well, it was an attic album, went from the attic and it was good enough that it was released and that was the Arrhythmics. Oh, another yeah. Dave huge Stewart. sound changing experience. Yeah. Great stuff. Always thought Annie Lennox should front Queen. All I know is I, I think I would have been great to be born maybe in the mid 50s because I was too young. I mean, I, I got into the Beatles, but not until they broke, like right when they were breaking up. But there was so much music. The, the way music evolved from, the, from Elvis into the 60s and the British invasion and then metal worked its way in, or well, not even metal, like Led Zeppelin, because I don't consider Led Zeppelin a metal band. Anyone does, they're crazy. Because they are not. No, they're a blues band. They're a blues band. Oh, my God. If you don't listen to an entire Led Zeppelin album, back to, uh, front to back, everyone knows their hits. And anyone can go on Spotify and play all their hits. But to listen to an entire Led Zeppelin album is a blues experience. They're amazing. I'll, I'll tell you what I have. We were just talking about this, my girlfriend, Beth Ann, and I. The other night, I was telling her, somewhere here, I have in a stack. I have, and it was a short pressing. It wasn't, it was a promo pressing. It wasn't even a promo pressing. It was a, it was, I don't know what you would call that, but it was a very, very limited pressing before it became the thing of um, Ann Wilson, um, not only singing Stairway to Heaven, but dazed and confused. Oh, jeez, I would love to hear I, that. I have it here. I'll oh, find it. Oh, and gonna... I can't find dazed and confused. I have it. Well, the other day when I was looking, I was having trouble finding it. I haven't seen it. We're online. Right. 
I've that's, heard her sing the Stairway to Heaven but, online. Yeah, but that's all you need. I mean, if, she's amazing. If you want another step, amazing. If you if, if you have trouble making that comparison or mm -hmm. that idea that Zeppelin is blues, that's a good way to step away right. from it. Hear her do it and then go back. Right. And and then you'll get it. You'll make the connection. You know, the same thing that Queen did for me. The first time I listened to Queen, it was like that. It, Freddie's voice. And the production and the yeah. vocals and the, how they layered their vocals mm -hmm. and the harmonies and the and it, the the minimalist of the music, which is the the the, the bass line and the drums and guitar and then of course some keyboard, but it wasn't this huge musical production. It was the vocal production and the way they the vocal you're, the vocal your a vocal is an instrument, right? And they used that mm -hmm. as the biggest instrument in the band was the vocals. Was vocals? Everything was built around vocals. Amazing. Mm -hmm. We're we are so blessed to grow up where we grew up. <clears throat> so ELO. We, oh yeah, another ELO is another one. Another one. Have you seen Jeff Lenz ELO? The docu. The it's no, kind I of, have it's not watched it yet, dude. Really? That's another reason why I want to put a big screen in here and a projector with good sound. And oh. they get together with friends and get together with people and watch oh. some of these concerts. Oh, I would love to have a yeah. concert night. We could do it's, that. That's yeah. something we could do. ELO, Jeff Lynn, and what I love about some of these um, documentaries and these live performances that they do, and it's so cool, is that they always catch they catch the group in the the room, the the green room before they go on stage, right? And they vocalize, right? And I always love that because they're basically they're showing you, listen. What you're about to hear is us. Yes. We do this. Exactly. You know? And then they go out and it's like, oh my God. And the Eagles. Oh. For a perfect example. The perfect example of a band that deserves to continue on. And yeah. uh Vince I mean, come on, Vince Gill. I thought that was a, I thought that I, was that a was great brilliant. addition to that brilliant. band. Absolute. Brilliant. Absolutely. A great um, call. Oh, we could sit here all day all and day. just start ripping. Because Toto, yeah. and as I got into the other day when you were over oh here. Oh, my God, another incredible band. And when you and those guys are all gifted musicians, and they're all session musicians. They've all played on thousands of different artists' albums. I they mean, were, they, they weren't just Toto. They were in high school, and they were recording Boz Skaggs' albums. Yeah, insane. In high school. I know. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, another one, because I, I think it was Eric Bombeck, The Way It Was magazine over here, uh, posted a picture the other day. I, I believe it was him. Um, I got, I was blessed to see Derek Trucks at about the age of 11, 12, 13. Ridiculous. A couple of times. Ridiculous. He played at Seafood Express, played yeah. out in the parking lot down there when okay. he was just a little kid. And that was, you talk about, that That unnerved me. I you see things on television. You see sure. these little kids that'll sit down and just that are just you know like little machines. But when you're standing in an audience and you're watching a little kid go up and turn to put his hat on backwards, and the guitar is way too big for him, and he's playing at levels that he shouldn't be playing at. Right. Tell it's, me that is not a God gifted genetic it, talent. It's in, it's a it's insane. It's insane. It's like I always used to say it was um, music manifesting itself in human form. There you go. Just amazing. I know. Well, how's this been for you? Has this been fun? This is amazing. You enjoy that? The room feels good, doesn't it? It feels our little go-go bungalow is very comforting. <laughs> it's it's a it's a 
And we haven't even got the palm tree decorations out yet. We haven't done any of that. I, no. I have. I did have a woman in here, a Michelle. I can't think of her last name right now. You'll know. You'll hear more about her. But I had her here last week, kind of looking it over and helping me with interior design. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we've got. Uh, uh, I want a coconut-shaped coffee mug. I can make that happen. All right. All right. Well, even though I don't drink coffee, that's okay. I offered. Yeah. I called you I, specifically. I, I want to have a beverage. Well, that that's a want. whole other conversation. Is I have people look at me and go, "Why don't you drink coffee?" Because I'm going to put out a coffee here. I understand yeah. that, but I, I never got into coffee. I guess cocaine was too good. Oh, I get that there is that. <laughs> there, is that. Uh, there was always that. Um, here, just talking about modern day technology. Let me show you. Let me tell you a little story. Okay. Share something with. I for some reason I just felt led to share this with you all right my sister and brother-in-law my brother-in-law is retiring with um intel or some big company and i i don't want to get into all the details and whatever but he was part of the gifted genius program with kids and intel did some years ago excellent and i get a phone call the other night from a high school buddy who listens to my podcast like crazy and he goes hey why didn't you ever tell me that your sister and brother-in-law were on 60 minutes I, I said, didn't know that. You're kidding. I said, no, I guess I, I couldn't remember. And then I started putting two and two together. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, how in the world did you run across that? And he goes, well, his wife, Terry, she, she was deep diving on some 60-minute videos the other day. And she's been watching, and there was one that came up with gifted kids and geniuses and whatever. And she was watching it, and she saw Dan and Renee on the video. And so let me show it. To, I'll show this to you. So I, I went back. <clears throat> I got off the phone with him, and I wrote down the title, but I didn't do anything about it. And the next morning, I woke up, and I clicked on YouTube on my TV in the bedroom. And the first video that it presented me with was that video. Now, I'm talking to them on a landline. We did not text this back and forth. I do not have Siri, although I have pads and I have phones and I have stuff like that. No Alexa? I have no Alexa here in the house. And How did that happen, dude? Big brother, freak me out. I big mean, and brother is I watching. I don't know if this will play with that on there or not. Congratulations. Well, he now moves in very adult That's circles. Them. Jack says there when it go. comes to his future, he's just like any other lost teenager. I actually have no clue what I want to do when I grow up. Kid developed a way of testing for um, pancreatic cancer. Wow! And it's still in. And so it's this program that Intel. But anyway, isn't that a weird, weird, weird story? That's weird. I mean, it just it's the phone conversation. I wrote down the title of the show, got right. up the next morning, and YouTube presented this. That was the first video. Well, I am very bothered by our modern technology it's... that my wife and I will be having a conversation in our living room about some product or some, sure. some food multiple. or some recipe or so and then all of a sudden i go on my phone a half hour later and i scroll through my facebook and an ad for something we were just discussing shows up on my phone it frightens me it's the other reason why i want to do this this is my way of um battling ai because we're real human beings having real conversations right. and we're going to bring real people together and say hello and hopefully love and laugh and I All think people, more people need to listen and talk than scroll.
it kills me sometimes how and I have I am addicted to my phone as well. My wife tells me all the time. The first thing I do in the morning is I play, I do my trivia quizzes with my people, <laughs> my friends on Facebook. We play this trivia game. I I catch up with three or four people I'm playing, answer some questions, and then I'll do a little scrolling, maybe check ESPN out or Facebook or Instagram. But I remember there was one night. This is pre-COVID. I walked into High Point to set up on a Sunday night. And I load in my equipment and I start setting up. And I'm just about ready to turn everything on. And I look out at my audience that is there. Maybe not for me yet because usually the karaoke people start filling in later or whatever. But the bar was full. Now, High Points Bar seats about 30, 25 to 30 people. It's a little U-shaped bar. Every bar stool was filled. The entire bar was full. There were a few people at tables eating dinner. But the, I was looking strictly at the bar. And I stood there, Dana. And I'm telling you, there was not one person of those 25 to 30 people in those bar stools, nobody was talking to each other. Every single person was looking at their phone. Mm -hmm. And I just stood there. I couldn't wait to start my show so I could start talking on the <clears throat> microphone and making these people pay attention to a live human being who was trying to engage with them. Right. Because it, 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 it it's I I will never forget that day for as long as I live because I don't know why it's that particular day stuck out to me because I'm sure I've set up at other shows and the same thing was happening I just for some reason picked up on it that night. No one was talking. There was some background music playing or maybe they a football game was on or I don't remember what, but I looked and not one person was having a conversation. It's nuts. It is. It's crazy. So, and I, I, and I, I will admit there are times where I get too focused on my phone, where I'm sitting in my living room with my wife, and I look across the couch, and she's on the other side of the room, and she's playing Candy Crush, and I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook, and my wife and I aren't even talking. I know. Well, this last year, I kind of went through a, a, a bit of a realization, we shall say. And plus, I do a little social media management. I work with a whole bunch of people, and everybody in my life was was communicating me via text. Sure. I can't keep it all straight. And I was dropping the ball on things. Other people were dropping the ball with me. And I finally just put my foot down. And not to mention, too, I was always in my phone. Always in my phone. Sure. Most of the time because of text messaging. Sure. And I finally said, enough is enough. And I shut off my phone. Um, my phone I use now is a camera. The only way I can use my phone is if I'm hooked up to Wi-Fi. And most of the time, I don't even leave the house with it. If I do leave the house with it, it's just to use as a camera. Wow. I'm not, I'm, I just And I have a pad that I can take with me for work purposes. But um, if you want to talk to me, you can call me. I have a 1970s phone. Sure. And you can call me. I have a landline, and I will talk to you. <laughs> and you can email me. Sure. But I just can't do, I just cannot do 
the constant text messaging, little social media messaging with a with a handful of friends, and I keep it, yeah, and I keep it tight. I don't know if I could do that. I might lose my mind. But there are cer- certain things that I absolutely use my phone for for a daily basis. Well, and then it is also my business line, so I need to answer right. the phone. I need to have my phone on all the time. And then but you know the one thing I'm doing now. What's that? When I see friends of mine that have birthdays on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the first thing you do is go click. Yeah, like your love, or, love. Yeah, and then maybe you send a happy birthday back. I stopped doing that. I'll get my phone, and instead of doing that, I go to my contacts, and I call that person, and I have a nice happy birthday conversation. I with think them. that's a terrific. I think more people should do that. I think that's a terrific idea. The funny thing is, is finding out who on the other end of the phone will actually pick it up. True fact. You know, a lot of people don't pick up a phone anymore. I know. They don't recognize the number. You know, you you call them, you leave them a message, and then you get a text message back saying, what do you want? (laughs) Yeah. I know. You got that special sauce to stir my curiosity. We have this. Have you seen this? Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. I'm liking this. This is my Taste favorite. the honey sauce. <laughs> Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the honey sauce. Don't get that honey sauce on me. I don't like the way it tastes with my chicken wings. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness Toaster of the biscuit. Rock your body home. I don't know what to say. Taste that butter spread. Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the butter spread. Look how serious he is. He's got the beat. I don't like the way it mixes with my mac and cheese. (laughs) I think they're in a, a thrift store. It looks like, I yeah, it's yeah, a thrift store, a thrift store I, or a I, consignment that, shop. That video has been making me laugh for a couple of years now, and it popped up this morning, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to add that into our little... That was I, the only That was the only thing, that was the only agenda I had for this perfect get-together today. That's perfect. <laughs> on, and on that note... All right, Simply Ed, thank you very much for uh, coming over and... Um, there's so much to talk about, so much to do. Next time, listen, any of these people that you know, uh, club owners, things like that, people that you want to share stories with that you think would get a kick out of this. Oh, I know. Dude, yeah, the door is open. I so know. This is, this. I think we, uh, as we, we're going to one-on-one it for a few. Sure, absolutely. Because there's so much to talk well, about. Well, and I've got a couple of other people, too, that are going to be joining us eventually, but I'm bringing Fantastic. We're kind of rehearsing this thing, so. Yes, Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you being here. More importantly, I appreciate your friendship. Oh, listen, how God, I love you so much. Yeah, it's been. You know, I love you. I can't do the math in my head, but it's been a long time. You're, I know. I've only got a handful of people that I've known as long, and as I'm you. I'm in complete agreement. And I the thing that I was thinking about that today when you were on your way here was the fact that. One of the things that I love about you and respect about you the most is for the conversation we just had here today is that your love and commitment to the art and the craft that you found and that you created and that being in karaoke and just being simply Ed. He's a piece of work. It's it's 
really admirable. He's a piece of work. Just kind of like me with radio and doing this kind of a thing. I don't know how to do anything else, and you kind of found your thing, and you don't know how to do anything else either. So well, together, we're going to find a new way to just kind of entertain. And yes, I think we can do that. And I'm hoping that we find some listeners that enjoy our playful banter. I don't care if they do or not. We're just going to keep doing it. All right. It's therapeutic for us. Yeah, it is. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, buddy. The Penn, Ohio Backyard Bungalow Radio Show brought to you by G&J Fencing. <laughs>